Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Watling and Owen Show here on a Wednesday night of Football Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in with us on Twitch.tv or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it's weird saying Football Wednesday. I like the the rhythm of Football Thursday, but this is our show schedule for now. And I'll tell you what, Matt, we had a jam-packed show on Wednesday, but today we have some to really digest uh, these football teams. We do. We can we can slow it down. I, I don't know if you saved it in, in your sections, Luke, but I saved the uh the Monday notes from the Jets and Giants section so we can really do a deep dive into these teams because look, you know, in a perfect world, Luke, would our show only be an hour long? Absolutely not. But but also in a perfect world we'd be getting paid to do this. So if you want to send bits or subscriptions, whatever it is, go right ahead. But now we've got some time. We're gonna forget baseball for a minute, Luke, because it's football time, right? And, and you know, maybe we shouldn't be forgetting baseball because in, in a couple weeks or maybe a week, it might not be relevant anymore. But but let's give credit to the Yankees because you bounced back, what, they won yesterday. They're beating the Orioles now. Not a team that, you know, you don't deserve credit for beating them. But, you know, last time around, they didn't do it. And now you've got the Rays and Blue Jays in a tough, you know, fight. And, and it's time for the Yankees to, to battle back and try to get into a playoff spot and secure a wild card spot. But, Forget about that, Luke. Forget about the, the misery of New York baseball. Because we can go from that to the beauty and also miserable New York football, which surprisingly, Luke, is 0-3. Oh, of course I did. One of my favorite men. The Islanders, got to give them credit. I think when we started this show sophomore year, the, the Bills weren't even good, right? It really took until last year when they were good. The Giants, they've been 0-2 for the last five years. And what I think is so tough and what Alan was kind of striking a nerve on with the Mets was it's this little, and Don was especially, was the, this little brother syndrome that the Jets, the Mets, the Nets, the Islanders have. And, and look, I experienced it as, an, as a Jets fan, as an Islanders fan, not as much as, you know, a, a fan of the Yankees, but the Mets, you see it too, is sometimes there's not even this desire to be great. It's this desire to be better than the team that you're, that, that you're rivals with. And it's, it's unfortunate that that's what it's come to in New York. And, and frankly, you know, just watching the 86 Mets documentary, Luke, on, e, on ESPN, the 30 for 30, I know you haven't watched it yet. I want to get back to that so bad. Even as a Yankees fan, I want to see this buzz around New York baseball. Right, you want to see this buzz around New York again, because oh, it looked like awesome to be around in the '80s. The club scene, the partying—it looked awesome. I mean, that's what what you want to get back to.
But also, it's unfair to give that to the Mets because the Yankees are one of, if not their biggest rival, right? Maybe the Yankees don't feel the same way, but when I'm an Islanders fan and they're not doing very well, all we want is to beat the Rangers. You know, you, you listen to the teams that were so bad back in the Islanders days and, you know, in the 2000s before Tavares when they were awful, like all you wanted was to beat that team. And you, you could go, you know, four and, and 78 as long as you beat the Rangers. And it's, it's certainly not a good attitude to have. But let's be fair, beating the Yankees, it means something in the city, Luke, because that loss for the Yankees and for you meant more than a loss to, I don't know, the San Diego Padres, didn't it? Which, I mean, hopefully they do because it hasn't happened yet, right? I mean, he's, got, he's had a year and it's been – there hasn't been one positive out of this season for the Mets. Nothing has been good with this team. I mean, Lindor was bad for a very long time and you gave him that big contract. You look at, you know, Javi Baez booing the fans is ridiculous. DeGrom getting injured. Syndergaard can't come back. Carrasco has been a, a fiasco, if you want to say it that way. And it's just, it's, it's rough. I mean, it's rough for this Mets team, and you hope that they can change it. And there was a report, I think, in the New York Post that Sandy Alston will be back, but only as, like, a president of the team, not in baseball ops. But if I'm the Mets, you might want to just cut the head off and restart because it's been a very bad culture this year. It's been a very bad feeling for this team. And, I mean, we already know the manager, Luis Rojas, is gone. The idea that, you know, the idea that, Sandy Alderson can go from here. I, I don't know. Yeah, they certainly have a good relationship. And, and Luke, start, you know, keeping with the idea of this mess of, of organizations in New York. Do you Have you seen the Denzel Mims conversation? How he's basically going to be – well, yeah, how basically Denzel – I don't know if we talked – we did talk about it briefly on Monday, but basically how uh, Denzel Mims needs to basically learn the playbook to get more snaps because he's not a top three receiver. So to get him in, he needs to learn the X, Y, and Z, you know, routes basically in the playbook style said. And now there's been this big debate or argument or conversation on Twitter with uh, DJ BN AIM, the uh, New York Post beat writer, 
or New York Daily News beat writer for uh, the Jets and fans, where basically Denzel Mims is, is a waste of a second round pick at this point because, you know, all signs are pointing to him being inactive this week in week two. And you just spent a second round pick on the guy. And, and look, I thought he looked great. He, he literally played three snaps. He made one big play last season. He looks fine. He looked pretty good. But it feels like this team, while it's upsetting that you're losing a second-round pick, you also didn't expect to have the weapons you had now. So I think there's kind of a catch-22 where, you know, maybe the hope is that you trade him rather than cutting him down the line. Maybe you can get him some value. You know, just looking at the Patriots receiving core, Luke, I'm shocked that Mac Jones had as good a day as he had uh, in week one. I'll, I'll pull up the the guys with him in a moment, we have it on our, on our show notes. I mean, he's got receivers like Nelson Aguilar leading the team, you know, Jacoby Myers, like that's a team that could use Denzel Mims. And I bet they trade a second rounder for him. And I'm not saying you're going to make that trade, but there are teams that could use receiver help if it comes to that point. But also, I mean, look at your top three, Luke. It's Corey Davis. It's Elijah Moore, who is it, the, the team's enamored with, right? That staff's enamored with. And Jamison Crowder, who led your team last year in receptions and in receiving yards. Is he cracking the top three? Probably not. And at that point, you know, that fourth and fifth string guys, they're going to be guys that need to know all the positions like Salah has said. I mean, he gave the explanation. Well, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, okay, if he's our fourth guy, let's say he only knows, I don't know, Corey Davis's route. Let's say he only knows the X route. And again, I don't know what, you know, the X's and O's. I'm not a football guy, like, to that extent, like Coach Sale is. But let's say he only knows Corey Davis's routes, right? All those plays, that X receiver. If Corey Davis takes three snaps off the entire offensive, you know, situation, and Sal even said, you know, the first half of the game, they weren't getting extended drives, so the receivers didn't need breaks. Now, if Davis sits three snaps, Mims is only getting three snaps. Whereas if these three guys are rotating, maybe they sit out one, maybe they sit out twice every four snaps between the, the three of them, then you're getting Denzel Mims in half the time. So 
to some extent, you do need to know all the positions just because Davis, the X position or the Y position, isn't going to sit out more than once or twice a drive. But are you playing him over any of the top three? And, and maybe he deserves a spot over Barrios, who I think was the three this past week. But are you playing him over those top three guys that we mentioned? Well, he's going to be back in. He's going to be back in all week two. So this coming week. No, no, they said they expected him to be back. That's true. So. And, and maybe you'll get him to that point. But, and, and I agree with you in the sense that I'd like to see Mims get more touches. I like what he brings to the table. You know, sure, he hasn't put up more than 70 yards in, in a single game. But let's not act like he's a scrub. He's a good receiver. He's done a, he was a very adequate, su- good surprise last year as a rookie. And it is unfortunate that he's, you know, not getting the reps. But maybe he doesn't know the playbook part because he had food poisoning, right? You know, if he's sitting on the toilet, I'm pretty sure he's not studying the playbook. He's probably just holding on for your dear life and, and praying that it's over. So maybe it'll take some time. And I think by next year, if he's still on this team, he'll have to slot into that three position because you don't expect Crowder to come back. You know, this is a crowded receiver room now. They've completely revamped it. And that's great for the team. That's great for Zach Wilson, who had a very solid week one that we touched on. But it does hurt the players now. It, it kind of feels like Denzel Mims is a little bit in the Luke Voigt boat where he can only play one position, Luke Voigt being first base. And now you've got someone that can do it better than him. Where is he going to go? And, and I think that kind of comes down to scheme as well, Luke. And it's unfortunate because you want to give him the weapons to, to make moves. You want to give him the opportunity to make throws. But if you need to throw, you know, kind of what Joe Judge did, throw an extra offensive lineman out there, maybe you have to do something like that. Put up a six or throw an extra tight end on the end of the line. But the bottom line is, Luke, this Patriots defense is is very good. They're very well coached. And that's scary. Like, that's a scary front to go against. Even if they weren't the most talented, to have Bill Belichick on the other side of the the you know the field that's always so tough to deal with he seems to dominate rookie quarterbacks year in and year out you know as of december 2020 luke he was 21 and 6 against rookie quarterbacks i couldn't find an uh, you know an updated number i don't know if he's played rookie quarterback since then but look it's going to be real tough on zach wilson and again this entire season will be when you lose a guy like mckay Becton, when your offensive line isn't up to snuff and we see it's going to be a common theme week in and week out You've got to make sure he doesn't get hurt because that last hit he took when he was thrown down like a ragdoll and his head snapped back and hit the field, you know, he could have been out for a while. And if that happens, that's that's a scary sight.
and, and it makes it so surprising that, you know, this Patriots team didn't go out and get a legit receiver, whether it be through the draft or through free agency, right? Belichick's a smart guy. Maybe he couldn't find guys to bring in. Maybe he didn't want to overspend on a Corey Davis or a Kenny Galladay. But for Mac Jones, I guess his safety net is the system, right? Zach Wilson's safety net, Corey Davis, a guy that he can throw it to. He'll make a catch, a legit number one. Maybe for Mac Jones, it's that system that Bill Belichick runs and the confidence that he put in him. But look, we talk about Mac Jones having a good day, right? He was 29 to 39, nearly 75% completion percentage, just over 280 yards, no interceptions. They only scored, what, 17, 16 points? I mean, that's not a good offensive day. And it felt like a lot of people were praising Mac Jones, this and that. Oh, Mac Jones, he only scored 16 points. And, and look, I'm not saying the Jets did much better. They scored, what, 18? But for these guys to come out and say, look, this is great for Mac Jones, he's got to put up some points. He's got, you know, the entire team has to if they want to make the playoffs. And I think that's one of the biggest question marks uh, in the NFL is the Patriots, right? Who are they? And I think a lot of that will be seen in week two because you've got Bill Belichick going up against a rookie quarterback. You've got an opportunity for this team to go out there and win a game, go up one, one uh, or rather have a one and one record against a division rival, a team that's not really supposed to be good. But if you lose this game and you're the Patriots, by no means are you out of the playoff conversation. But maybe the expectation shifts from a team that should maybe be making a wild card. You know, they were pretty close last year to maybe we're another year or so away trying to develop Mac Jones and take things slower, which is really crazy to think because a lot of people, it seemed like they just expected them to be right in there for that extra wild card spot. It'll be interesting, and I, and I was looking at this game, Luke, and I, I kind of wanted to pick the Patriots for, for our weekly picks, and we'll recap what happened, the abomination that was last week, you know, later on in the show. But I wanted to pick the, the Patriots. Now, it's a six-point – they're a six-point favorite right now. Wow. They were not that high earlier on. But do you expect this Patriot team to go 0-2 to start the season? Like, I just – I can't see it happening. And, and I think there's a seismic change in the expectation, kind of like I said before – in what you think of this team if they end up losing this game. It, it, 
I think it would shock me just because what did we really see from the Jets last week? Right, the first half was was brutal offensively, basically no points. But I think it comes down to Bill Belichick, and it's kind of this this poisoned view that people have now of the Patriots because of how good they were for so long with Belichick and Brady. You know, it makes it seem like they'll never be bad again, right? And then you look at the Jets, for example, and friend of the show, Aaron Valentino, he's given up on this team, basically, which is ridiculous because they're not going to be very good. I mean, last year he was expecting what? What was it last year? Like, was it four? It wasn't four and twelve. I think I said four and twelve. He, I think he said five and twelve this year, which is good. Like that's solid for this team this year. Five and twelve, like. If if Zach Wilson shows me promise, I'll take it. But look, I I think there's t- it's time to kind of reset. Or you're hoping that it's time to reset the per- parameter for the Jets from you know Debbie Downers to optimistic. And right now, I think Rob Sala has that that clout, that cachet after Week One to say, look, he's the guy we trust him. Almost the Joe Judgeian feel. But it's time for him to to eventually go out there and get a win. And I don't know if I can say off the bat that it's going to be against the Patriots. It seems Luke like you're you're pretty low on the Patriots though. That's a good point. I mean, look at all the good rookie quarterbacks. They've always had a good receiver, right? I mean, you look at Kyler Murray. Maybe he wasn't a rookie at the time, but he ends up getting DeAndre Hopkins. Josh Allen, when he gets Stephon Diggs, he explodes. Zach Wilson with Corey Davis. Recent, you know, recently the early, you know, payoff has been huge. And then you look at Daniel Jones, and when he's had Saquon Barkley, who's not a receiver, but he is a, an all-star, he's been up until this year. Those couple games he had Saquon Barkley significantly better. So I do think it's important to have that legit option. Maybe it doesn't have to be a receiver. Maybe it's a generational running back in there as well. But I don't think the dual tight end really makes sense in this system, Luke. And and, I, and maybe not the system, but it does because, I mean, you, you targeted both of them eight times combined and they ended up putting 70-ish yards, which is good. But you couldn't have told me that Jonu Smith couldn't have gotten just eight targets in that game and you could have spent the money from Hunter Henry elsewhere. Right, and Luke, I've got to figure out a way to bench Saquon in this league because he's if he's going to play 50% of the snaps again, he's not getting more than three points, especially against that front seven that Washington has. Oh, I'm, I'm so – I have to waste – and this is 
really deep into the weeds, Luke, but I had to waste my first overall, like, uh, waiver wire ad on a kicker because I had to drop him to go move someone to IR. So that's how I'm feeling right now. I don't know who to, who to replace him with. But... Although, Luke, I, I, I hate to, to break it to you, but given that I have the higher waiver order than you, I think I'm getting uh, the great Trey Sermon. Unless Dylan's listening. I hope he's not. I hope Dylan's not listening because he he might take it from me. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Sermon's a fun, you know, running back to watch at least at Ohio State, and you know, getting back to this Giants team. Do, do you think it's a must win, Luke? Like we talk about this team, you talk about the the zero and two curse, you know, in a in a sixteen game schedule that you know you go zero and two, you're basically not making the playoffs, but. This division is so much more winnable than the typical division, but you've got to show me something because if you can't, then what, what hope do we have for this offensive line and for this offense if you can't muster up something against Washington, right? And that's a good defense, don't get me wrong, but you've got to score points. Let me just say I'm not touching the Giants with a 10-foot pole for the next five weeks because that was embarrassing. That was a disgrace to picks. And, and, and look, I look at this team, and you say this is a game for them to go out and take it, but it's the same thing for Washington, right? If you're on Washington's side of the football, you've got a pedestrian offense that I would still argue is better than the Giants. You know, you have a somewhat solid offensive line. You know, I, I'm not a big Tyler Heineke fan or Taylor Heineke fan. You know, is is. I, I think I hate him because I hate the, the hype that he got after, you know, no one knew who he was and he played okay against Tom Brady. Was that, was that it? Yes. When you come at Sam Darnold, I have to be anti-you. Which, getting getting back to the point, sorry, Luke. At least, at least they have a run game, right? At least they have a run game. Uh, McLaurin. Well, he's not a running back, but they do have McLaurin. It's not Alfred Morris. He's in Dallas, I think. He used to be Alfred Morris. I'll, I'll pull it up for you here. I, I've got it for you in just a second here. Uh, J.D. McKissick.
Stafford both targeted more than him. And obviously he's getting into it into a new system and things like that. But he's a really big playmaker. Like he's a guy that has consistently been a real boom threat down the field when it was uh, him with Matthew Stafford. I mean, he had back-to-back thousand yard receiving uh, seasons before being injured last year. I mean, he's a guy that averages 18 yards per catch uh, in the NFL. So he's a guy to me that can be a big factor for the Giants moving forward because I like Sterling Shepard. I like Darius Slayton, but Kenny Galladay is supposed to be that number one guy. He's the big free agent signing. So I like to see him get more involved for this movie. And look, I was going to kind of look into it, and I'm, I'm doing that now. I'm bringing up the point, oh, maybe he was up against uh, Patrick Sertan, who was the, the first overall pick or first round pick for Denver. But apparently he didn't play much. Apparently he didn't, yeah, he didn't he play did. a whole lot, just based on personnel groupings, things like that. So I wonder who, let's see, is Ronald Darby was in there, Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan. I mean, I know I know the name Fuller's Darby, really. but I mean, those guys aren't world beater cornerbacks. So the fact that Galladay couldn't get going, the fact that he only had six targets is 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 questionable. Maybe, maybe again, it didn't fall his way. Maybe Shepard was open. But you you just spent all this money on this on this guy. You, you've got to get him going. You've got to get him engaged in the offense because once you can, that opens things up for Shepard. It opens things up for the running game when you have two legitimate dynamic offensive weapons. And then also, I mean, your third guy is Darius Slayton, who is a deep ball threat and another stud. Like he's a you have three very good wide receivers on this team. If you can get Galladay going, it opens up the entire offense from a okay, let's just throw it to Shepard and hope for the best to, I mean, we've got four legitimate weapons. Yeah, and since making the playoffs in 2016, the Giants have had four consecutive losing seasons that all started at least 0-2. So if they want to flip the script, this is a chance to do it. And, I mean, they've dominated Washington. They've won five in a row against Washington. They're a team that they've never had problems with. You know, it's not the Eagles that seem to always have their number. It's a team that they've always taken care of. And obviously, you know, history is, is history, and every year and every team is different. But I don't know, Matt. To me, I think that I think the Giants are going to win this game tomorrow. I think they might turn not turn some heads because it's not going to be this impressive victory. But I think they're going to go out and win this game tomorrow. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just over over exaggerating my trust in Washington. Like, like they weren't very good last week, right? I mean, you're supposed to have a stud defense, and and sure, twenty points isn't a lot in this in this day's NFL, but. They had chances to win that game. They couldn't pull it through. Maybe that's a kind of a knock on their quarterback play or just their offense in general that, hey, look, they were right there knocking on the door and they couldn't get it through because of the offense. But but all these teams in this division are so flawed that it's hard to be confident in saying, oh, I think the Giants are going to win. It just kind of depends on how you frame the game, whether you look at it from, oh, the Giants are really bad to, you know, Washington can't capitalize on that. Yeah, and Evan Ingram will be out again for the Giants. Oh, big so. loss. <laughs> I mean, he's a pro bowler, so, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, you know, a blind squirrel catches nut every so often. <laughs> you hate Evan Ingram. I, I oh, don't even hate him. I'm a big fan of his. Did you have him fans? I did, and he was, he was, he was infuriating, but he was fine. Yeah. Too much fantasy I mean, the biggest going thing. on here, Luke. Too much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No one cares about your fantasy team. I know. That's I know. right. But, uh, the... The Washington football team and, and the Giants, I mean, the biggest matchup is going to be in the trenches for this Giants offensive line against Chase Young and Montez Sweat and that really solid uh, Washington football team defense. That, that's going to be, I think, the biggest uh, the biggest matchup is can Andrew Thomas be solid? Can Nate Solder be better? Can the offensive line in general play better than they did last week? Because last week, they weren't great. They really weren't. And I think Daniel Jones deserves some of the blame. But the offensive line is, I mean, 
I don't know how they how they do better against a better defensive front. Uh, but man, that, that's tough to have Von Miller and then Chase Young back to back weeks to start the year. That that that's a real test for the Giants' offensive line. And and I think part of my issue with it is, you know, you say it's a battle of the trenches. What have the Giants' trenches showed us? I mean, they're not digging deep enough. Those trenches are six inches deep. Meanwhile, their opposition is going. Yeah, you, you got to be getting full deep story under to get trench foot. What was that? You got to dig deep enough to at least get some trench foot. That's right. You know, if maybe some scurvy. <laughs> you know, some some gout or fungus down there. Wow, now you're getting weird with it. Little S- World War Two. Scurvy is not even right. That's what pirates would get, or you know, you know, sh- yeah, ship like people. You're at sea. Yeah, ship shipmen. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about earlier in the week, and and you posed the question before the show about the Giants being possibly the worst, you know, New York team already. And, and I think so, because when you look at fan expectations, actually, I don't really know what the fan expectations are with the Giants. I, I know for us, it's that they should at least compete for the playoffs. And certainly in week one, they didn't look like a team that is going to compete. But there's a lot of football to be played. There's a lot of, I think, variables that are hard to account for. Like, when is Saquon Barkley going to be at full health? When is he going to be able to to really be unleashed? You know, things like that. Um, but I think certainly they, they were, to me, the biggest disappointment of the first week. They were because you look at all the expectations across the teams. For the Bills, it's like, okay, we'll figure it out. For the Jets, it's, hey, we didn't do terrible, right? Like, you, you, you was close. And for the Giants, it was <laughs> just rough to watch. And there is this expectation. And maybe it's not an expectation of winning, but it's a, we need to win this year. You know, we might not expect it. But time is ticking. Time is up for Dave Gettleman. Time is up for Daniel Jones. If we can't win this year, then we're not winning with these guys, and we've got to push them aside. And what really kind of scares me, Luke, is that with this being such a critical year for those two guys, if they don't perform, I think Joe Judge leaves, could leave as well. I think he gets canned as well because, you know, if they're 4-13. 13. 13. There, there you go. Math is hard sometimes. If they're 4-13, why are you keeping this guy around? You know, he could only squeeze four wins out of this team with a, a very good wide receiver core and a defense that was very good last year. Like, what's what's the deal here? So, it does scare me that the entire, you know, coaching staff and quarterback room and everything might get turned over. But also, I sit here and say, where's the, where's the creativity offensively with play calling, right? Why is it Jason Garrett, who had issues in Dallas for several years? Like, why do we resort to a guy that was fired over offensive play calling and offensive systems. Yeah, and if Joe Judge is seeing this, like, you know, I'm sure he's the authority to be like, hey, like, someone else is going to call plays. Like, we, we're not moving the ball right now. It's not working out. Uh, and I think part of that does kind of fall on him. I wonder if it's Dave Gettleman pressure because he's always kind of been a, a an older, you know, an older hog mollies offensive line, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But when you have no hog mollies, you can't run the ball. But, but look, if all you know is hog mollies, you're just going to, you know, if, if the only thing you know how to do well is run the ball and, and play this old-fashioned offense, you're not going to go try to do fun things. Like, like us, for example, Luke. I don't know the first thing about riding bikes all my life. Just because walking is too slow, it doesn't mean I'm going to try to ride a bike. I don't know how to do it. It's not in my skill set. I know the Giants, man. I mean, they, they have to add to their skill set. They've been arguably the most boring team in, in the NFL the past few And that's years. the I worst mean, part Their, their offense it. is so vanilla. I mean, being so boring. If you could lose games 34 to, to 35 or 35, 34, whatever you want to call it, at least it's fun. At least it's exciting. Yeah. You know, for the Jets, at least you're throwing the deep ball with Zach Wilson. But here, I get to watch Saquon Barkley run into an offensive line four times a game and then punt the ball away. Like, that's not exciting. 
Yeah, they're they're basically yeah, I mean, like you said, and if the offense was that good, at least we could say we know what Daniel Jones is and, and that he's the guy. I think Joe Judge probably gets another year after this. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but, yeah, you're right. If he can't translate into wins, I mean, they can like him as much as they want. If he's not winning games, it won't matter. Uh, I still think he's a good coach. I still think he's very capable. Um, and, and we'll see if he can hang with Riverboat Ron tomorrow night. So that'll be a fun game. Uh, the last team that we haven't talked about is the Bills. They suffered a, a week one loss as well. Man, all the losses just piling up for us all these loser teams uh they fell to pittsburgh 23 to 21 or 23 to 16 they look pretty sloppy but miami seems to be the cure for the bills especially with josh allen he's really dominated the dolphins in his tenure uh i think last week i don't know if it, it completely proves it but i do think that miami is probably still the second best team in the afc east um i don't know if they can compete with the bills because I just don't know what to make of Tua. I mean, last year he he didn't really make all that many special plays, and, and I think he deserved a pass because it was a weird year. He didn't get a training camp. The hip injury was still kind of there. But this year is a big prove-me year for Tua, and I think a big test for him is going against an offense in the Bills that's supposed to be really good. They weren't great last week, but I think they'll bounce back against a little bit of a worse defense in the Dolphins. But, I mean, I think the, the worry meter is so low for the Bills because when they look around the division, it's like, who, who's competing with us? Like, realistic, realistic right now, Josh Allen is the oldest quarterback in the division at 25. So it's like, who in this division is really going to touch them? I think that's probably – I mean, they're not saying it, but I'm sure that's kind of what they're thinking. Maybe they're not thinking, but maybe, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's – trying. To, you know, it's not the NFC West where you need to win every single game. There's some more wiggle yeah. room, which is a good point. And, and all I hear, Luke, and you saying that that uh, Josh Allen's the oldest quarterback, is it's, it's time for him to go into the, the, the decline soon, right? I mean, he's he's that right. old. He's 25. I mean, the rest of these guys can barely even drink legally. It's crazy. I mean, he might be declining now after last week. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's kind of cool, though, to see these matchups because, I mean, th- these are a lot of young quarterbacks, and it's kind of going to be the future of the AFC East, to be honest. I think all four teams – maybe not the Dolphins, though. I, I will say I think they're – they might be the – Am I crazy to say they might be the least confident in, in their quarterback of all these four teams? It's so tough to say because, you know, where is – I haven't seen too much of Tua, I got to be honest, right? I mean, it's week one. I didn't watch that game. I was watching the Jets instead. But where is the Tua we saw in, at Bama, right? Have we, have yeah, we seen any like, – it feels like whenever, whenever he plays, we don't even see highlight real plays from him anymore, right? I mean, is there anything on him on, on top ten? You know, on Twitter, oh, look at this throw, look at this, look at that. Like, there's just nothing really there. Yeah, and I think they're expecting him to be that big playmaker. And I think that part of the reason why is because Alabama has so many good athletes, so many great players that are just better than the other team. And now Tua doesn't really have that. So from me watching and from what I hear people analyzing as well, is that Tua plays very safe. Like, he's he takes the check downs, he takes the five-yard outs, but he doesn't really trust the deep ball. He doesn't really trust... You know, the NFL window is a lot smaller than the college window. You're not going to have 10 yards of difference between, you know, your man and the ball, unless you're the Bears on, on Sunday Night Football last week. But for the most part, you're supposed to be, you know, tight with the receiver. These are tight windows. These are big boy throws. I think Tua so far just hasn't trusted his arm enough to make those throws. Luke, I wonder if he'll get more confidence with without Ryan Fitzpatrick in the room, right? Because Fitz was that guy that came in. They kind of played hot potato with the starting role. Does you know, does the team giving him full confidence and saying, look, you're our guy, let him take some of these chances and let him take those risks. Because if he does mess up, there will be room to grow. Like you look at the jets, for example, 
if Zach Wilson goes out there and throws four interceptions, it's not going to be fun to watch, but he's going to come back the next day and still be QB1. And, and maybe that kind of pressure is something that Tua Tagovailoa kind of had to deal with all of last year. I really like his receivers this year, too. And I remember last year when we were talking about what the Jets should do. Should they trade back? Should they take a receiver? And we were talking about Waddle, about Chase, about Devontae Smith. They all looked pretty good in their in their uh, debuts. They all had touchdowns. They all had, I think, over at least 50 yards. Like, they all looked pretty solid. And it was the right pick, I think, for Miami. Jalen Waddle, he gives them a lot of flexibility. And they also get Will Fuller back, who they picked up this offseason, was serving the last game of his PED suspension. Then you have Devontae Parker. I mean, that's a really solid three receivers. Jaseki, I think, is a, is a good tight end as well. Um, so, you know, the Bills' defense looked really good against Pittsburgh, who also has a good receiving core. But I think you have to expect Tua can be maybe a little bit more athletic, maybe make some of the better throws than Big Ben. I mean, Big Ben can't throw the ball further than 10 yards at this point. It's just a reality. And I think the Dolphins expect Tua to do that. So I don't think it's a, a huge test for the Bills' defense, but I think it's a little bit of a step up from last week. It, it'll be tough, but... Maybe you don't trust the the age of Tua, right? Big Ben knows his role at this point. He kind of knows what he can and can't do. He knows his his um what's the word I'm looking for? His weaknesses, his I guess. Place? His his limits. Oh, yeah. His limits. That's the word I'm looking for. And and he knows the his limit of, is throwing the football. That's right. So now they're gonna, you know, alter all you know, alter their game plan to go from there. You know, completely off topic, Luke. But I, I do think that playing Tua maybe helps this Bills team just because they're gonna have that swagger that Tua doesn't quite have just yet, especially on the defensive end for for the for the uh, Bills. I wonder if we see Dwayne Haskins this year, or if Big Ben plays the entire season. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about Haskins maybe getting a chance. I don't know. I think they'll let Big Ben ride it out, but it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, my last note about this game: I think the Bills should be able to win it. Um, they're not panicking. Uh, obviously, um, I think. Josh Allen just needs to get into a rhythm, and he couldn't get into a rhythm last week because the Steelers' offensive line was just. So dang good. So I, I think the Bills bounce back in a in a in a big way against Miami. I think they're a better team. I think they have more talent. Um, but if they lose this game, I think that's one maybe maybe that moves the needle a little bit for me because that would be, to me be more of a testament to Miami maybe being a little bit better than we thought. And Luke, the real question is, are you taking your Buffalo Bills again this week after they embarrassed you in Week One? They did. We'll have to to wait and find out, Matt. That's a, that's a good transition to our picks. About fifteen minutes ago and. Matt, I think we both – no, actually, no, you owe the, the viewers an apology more than me. I went three and three. It's not asterisk. great. But, but what's the asterisk? Two of your wins can't, was from the uh, lock of the week. Well, well we, we set that up on purpose. Well, like, yeah, but in reality, you're two and three. Every time someone hits the lock, are we supposed to knock it? If anything, you're far worse for having the most confidence in a pick that wasn't even close. What pick was my lock? Oh, the Giants. Wasn't the Giants? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't great. It wasn't great. Exactly. Uh, but Luke, I think the, I deserve the one thing- some some props though for creating this new graphic that we're gonna be using for our for our scores. Because again, That's right. you know I'm the re- you know why my name's first in the show, Luke, and and this is a running bit at this point. It's because I do I do the gritty work. I, my computer starts exploding because I have to run 17 different things just to get the the broadcast up and running. You know my computer is right, exploding it. when I have to download Photoshop and use Photoshop and delete literally half the things on my computer. Because the there's too much there's not storage to have to copy and paste photos in Photoshop. That's why I go first. That's, right. That's why it's my show. That's why it's the Watling and Owens show and not the Owens and Watling show. Oh, I get it. You're not, you're down in the trenches. Maybe you're overworked, and that's why your picks last week are so bad. But 
What did you finish? One and five? One and five, baby. So that's a two-game lead for me going into this week. Uh, are you going wise. with the same method? Are you just going to rip off picks like as you see them? I, I looked a little bit. I don't have anything in mind. I, I should have done a little more prep, but part of my issue no, was I, like, I, I like looked at all these teams and I said, do I think this team, insert here, is going to start the season 0-2? And then I'm like, I, I don't know. And then, and then I don't know where to go from there. So, All right, is the spreadsheet ready to go? Oh, I don't. I was gonna put it right into Canva, but let me get the spreadsheet up here as we oh, wait. Oh, that, no, that works too. No, let me get the spreadsheet. I like the spreadsheet. I, I just want to make sure we have a record of it because you. I guess I could pull up the spreadsheet as well. You did share. It I with did me, share it, but you, I right. just. But but you're running the show. Let me. Let I me just do don't the back know. End here. I just didn't know what what email you shared it with, so I don't want to. I don't want to waste anyone's time here. As uh, we waste as my the, own, as we waste time right now. Oh, as the winner, should forever. I pick first? As the the leader, the is lead dog. Is that how we're doing it? Or do you want to pick first? Gives you better better chance. Um, do whatever you want. You can pick. I have all my picks ready to go, so it really depends on right, when you, you, you go want first. To... You go first. All right, my first pick, Matt. I know you said uh, don't touch this team with a ten foot pole. Oh, it's the Giants! Wow, it's the New York Football Giants plus three and a half. That half point I really loved because I think this is going to be a close game. I think even if the Giants lose, it's within that field goal. So that extra little half point, Matt. Really swayed me to the Giants. I think they might win outright. So you want to sprinkle a money line. Remember last week I said to the people, sprinkle a little money line on the Raiders. And and they ended up winning that game outright. So I, I like the Giants tomorrow night. So I don't know. That might really throw things off, though, because we usually don't release our picks till Sunday. And I'm picking a Thursday game. You got to do them tonight. Or, yeah, or tomorrow before the game. But, yeah, give me the Giants plus three and a half. All right. My first pick. Ah, oh, See? I want to say I'm confident in this, but I, I'm I'm really uh, I don't know if I want that to be my lock though. Are you locking Wait. your first pick? Is that, that no? I don't do with? that, but I don't know where I want to go with this. Wow! I'll tell you what. Week two is the week that you think you know about teams, but you really don't because something's gonna flip and, and we're gonna forget it again. It's just how it works. Give me this is not my lock, but give me New Orleans minus three and a half. Uh, I'm a big Sam Darnold guy. We know this. Whoa! We know this. But they will look really good. And who New Orleans played last week? Green Bay. You know, Green Bay is not expected to be that bad, right? But also, it's only a three and a half point spread. And and I think this defense of of, of uh, Carolina is is not that great. You know, I think they're fine. That D line is is solid for sure. It's above average. But I do think New Orleans will will be able to manage them. I thought the Saints defense looked really good too. So I, I like that pick. Definitely one I thought about. My second pick is kind of gross, but I, I'm kind of. I'm, I talk myself into it. I'm taking the Bears minus two and a half against Cincinnati. And I know I bet against Cincinnati last week. It bit me. But the Bears, they're one of those teams I look at. I'm like, are they going to start 0-2? And I don't think they will. I think they're going to come out a little bit stronger against the Bengals. I think they win this game by at least a field goal. I, I, I want Cincinnati to be good, but I just don't think they're that great. So I'm going to take the Bears just because I don't see them starting 0-2. Yeah, there's a couple teams that I, I kind of see in, in, that, in that realm, Luke. See, I got a real issue here. Uh, uh, I got uh, – where did that other pick go that I liked? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. There's – the next two picks I have I love, which means they're certainly going to lose. Well, actually, one of those that I love I'm going to save because it's my lock. I, I got to – see, I got to – give me a second here. Two th- – oh, my God. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so I've got four picks listed here. I've only bull- – I only have given you one so far because I got to try to find – oh, the other one was this one. Yeah, okay. So I have all my picks. Yep. That's very exciting. Now the question We've is: We've yet to have a uh, head-to-head pick this year so far. 
We've yet to, right? And I, if you're looking at, oh, you're not on the sheets. So you don't even see what my picks are because I've, I've written them no, all I down. Wow. Oh, I don't know what my lock is, though. Ooh, ooh. Who's Dallas playing here? Well, Let's would, see. Would... Chargers. The Chargers? Oh, I picked against the Chargers last week. Didn't do me great. Well, how about you give us a second pick? I'm my thinking. Goodness. I don't know what my lock of the week is. What do you want to say? Well, you don't have to give your lock now. What What's what, your least What count? if this pick that I give you ends up being my lock of the week? I can't go back on it. Can I? I mean, you could. Right, I'm going to be go back on it then at some point here. Time. Give me Tennessee plus five and a half against Seattle. Tennessee's that kind Ooh. of team that I don't see them starting 0-2. So I got I to gotta give them a win here somehow. All right, I like that pick. I got another team that is actually uh, a five and a half point underdog. The Las Vegas Raiders. I, I rode with them last week. I'm going to stick with it this week. I mean, we talked about Pittsburgh. They've had a great defense, and I think that they're going to give Derek Carr all kinds of trouble. But I think the Raiders hang tight with the Steelers. I like them plus five and a half. I know it's a road game, going east, all that. But I actually think the Raiders cover. You know what game screams trap, Luke? 49ers in Philadelphia. San Francisco Dude, minus three. I got to tell you. I got to tell you, I looked at that game pretty hard. I'm torn between that and one other game. As it's my it's screaming pick. at me right now to pick San Francisco. But that's that, that, that trap, that week two trap that's just killing me. But you know what? I like the defense of San Francisco. I don't think they're that rough of a team. You know, that defense will shape up. They're not giving up 33 points to the Lions if they, you know, if they play them again this week. So give me the San Francisco 49ers minus three against the Philadelphia Eagles, a home dog. I'll tell you what, Matt. If I was to pick this game, it would have been our. It would be our first head-to-head. Wow! I was leaning. Do it. You won't do it. Philadelphia. Do it. Plus Come three. on. Put your money where your but, mouth is. Do it. All right. Here, here's the thing, Matt. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the Chiefs minus three and a half against the Ravens, and that seems pretty juicy. But you know what? I'll put my money where my mouth is. I already have a two games. I'll extend it. Plus three. I think that the Niners, the way they ended that game, might be how they struggle through this game. I like the way that Philadelphia's offense looked. Look, we got to find out if the Eagles are, you know, a little bit better than we thought or if they just played the Falcons. So give me the Eagles plus three. Let's go head to head. Yes, sir. All right. My final two picks, Luke. I've got my lock of the week. I got it. Oh, baby. I'll give it to you after this pick. And that pick, Luke, the non-lock of the week, is the Dallas Cowboys taking on the L.A. Chargers. Wow. This is a team plus three and a half that screams we can't go down 0-2. I mean, this is a division that's being that's begging for a team to pick it. it it's the pick-me-girl of divisions, but nobody wants it for some reason. But I think you Dallas think wins Dallas this Cowboys game. Do. Dak Prescott looks really good, especially last week. And I, I think the defense can get a stop here or there. Or if not, they win, you know, they keep it close. Yeah, I mean, we saw last week, even with the defense kind of looking a little rough at times, they were able to score with them. And I think... This is going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a real shootout. Um, the Chargers offense didn't look great last week, but that's against uh, Washington. So I, I think it's going to be a shootout. I don't hate that pick. I definitely looked at it. That brings us to the locks of the week, Matt. Uh, this is a game that I looked at immediately and was like, that's my lock, which means so there's a trap there because Vegas is very smart. Vegas knows how to sucker people in. Maybe they're suckering me in here, Matt, but my lock of the week, the Arizona Cardinals minus three and a half against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings looked real bad last week against Cincinnati, losing that game in overtime. Arizona looked awesome. Their defense looks a lot better than people expected. J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, their, their, their weapons on offense are just so deep that I think even if their defense struggles, they're going to pull up a lot of points here. 
So I really like the Cardinals minus three and a half as my lock of the week. Luke, my lock of the week, which you might not like to hear this. Oh, no. The Buffalo Bills. Oh, no. Minus three and a half against the Miami Dolphins. Basically, all my picks at this point are teams that I can't imagine going 0-2. And I like this Bills team. I think they're a lot more talented. I think they should have won last week. I'm surprised I didn't pick them last week. You didn't pick them last week either. Really? I thought you would have picked them last week. I don't know why. No, I like them, but six and a half is a big one. That is a big one. That's probably the reason why. Three and a half, I'll take it. I like Josh Allen to bounce back. He's got this swagger, this confidence that screams, we're going to win. And that's what I see happening, baby. I like that. Um, I was thinking about it. I really was. Um, so I, I, I really, I think both our locks, man, are going to hit this week. I'll, I'll send positive karma to both of us. I think we're both going to do well. So I'll run through mine. I've got the Giants. Uh, what was it? Plus three and a half against Washington. I've got the Bears. Minus two and a half against the Bengals. The Raiders to cover five and a half against the uh, Steelers as underdogs. And I've got the Cardinals plus, or the, the Eagles plus three. And then I've got the Cardinals as my lock of the week over the Vikings. And I've got the New Orleans Saints minus three and a half over the Panthers. I've got Dallas plus three and a half against the Chargers. I've got Tennessee plus five and a half against the Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco minus three are head to head taking on the Philadelphia Eagles and my lock of the week. Your Buffalo Bills minus three and a half against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Luke, why don't we run around the, the NFL just to see some games that really intrigue us or are exciting or maybe just one line that surprised me a game that's going to be a dumpster fire is uh the texans and browns the browns minus 12 and a half point favorites Ooh. in cleveland again that's a team that, that needs to win this game if they want a shot at the division given how loaded that that division is but texans they, they did something against jacksonville right yeah two real college lines is that and then the bucks minus 12 and a half against the falcons i mean those are kind of lines that we were seeing last year with the Jets mm-hmm. when they were just ending up being double-digit underdogs every week. I thought Houston played pretty well, but a lot of people comparing them to Jacksonville last year where they win one game and then just lose the rest of the year. But it's also um, Tyrod but, Taylor against, what, Gardner Minshew? Like, Tyrod's a legitimate yeah. quarterback. He was going to start last year until he got, you know, doctored and, and, and you know, punctured I was long. really thinking about taking Houston because that's just such a big line. Like, I could see them keeping it within 10. But also, you know, that's two touchdowns. And maybe that's yeah, a lot, that's true. but Cleveland's so good. I mean, you know, they were winning for most of that game against Kansas City, and I, I think that's the one biggest difference, again, you know, compared to Kansas City and the rest of the AFC, is that that's a team that knows how to win and knows how to play late in games. You know, Cleveland just doesn't have that ability yet. You know, maybe they'll get there, but right now they just don't have that capability. I think I have more questions than answers when it comes to the, the AFC North. I mean, I still think the Browns are the best team there, but the Ravens, Obviously, they've lost a lot of pieces. They lose week one. The Steelers actually upset the Bills. The Bengals win a game. So that, that division to me is a question mark. And then the NFC West goes 4-0. and I mean, obviously, they're going to have to beat each other at some point. But that is just a brutal division to be in. That's such a great division, man. I mean, all four of those teams could feasibly – maybe they couldn't feasibly make the playoffs, but it'd be very interesting to see. And what, you've got six games in division. They would need – so let's say every team Basically goes three they would, and three in division. You're going to need to find another seven wins in your next 11 games to get to 10 and seven. It's possible. And, and also, I think, look, the NFC East isn't going to have two playoff teams. The, uh, the South could between the Bucs and the, and the Saints. So that, I think, is the biggest question mark. And then 
I think all those teams are better than the Vikings, so it's entirely possible. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But right now, Luke, your division, your your conference leaders, the Houston Texans, the one seed <laughs> through one game, and of course the the New Orleans Saints, and that's a team that really, really impressed me. The Saints team. I mean, that was a dominant performance. And and sure, you don't expect the guy in in Aaron Rodgers to perform like that again. But the fact that that defense was as good as it was, the fact that Jameis Winston was competent and better than competent the way that he was, maybe this is the year. Maybe it is. You know, they've been kind of battling for a Super Bowl to get back there the last several years under Drew Brees. He kind of walks away. And they were able to do that without Michael Thomas. And I wonder how that drama continues to unfold as the season progresses. You know, because I could see Jameis Winston not looking his way a couple times when he comes back just because they haven't gotten that rhythm yet since he's been hurt. And him imploding. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, even Jameis Winston, I mean, he only threw for 148 yards, five touchdowns. He's very efficient. I always said it tongue-in-cheek, but my whole thing was the Saints are a quarterback away. And if they have their quarterback now, who knows? I mean, their top three receivers last week were Deontay Harris, Jawan Johnson, and Adam Troutman. Like, those were their top three receivers. So if they can get Michael Thomas back and kind of, like you said, not being a distraction, I think they're they're a pretty solid team. They are, but I just, my, the Michael Thomas thing does scare me because this is a guy that didn't get the surgery he needed. Did he end up getting it? He, or did he get it like super late or has he not even gotten yeah, it? Yeah, he got surgery late. That's why he's out. Right, he pulled seven. the Scotty Pippen. Which is yeah. like, why Why would you do that? You're trying to win a division here. You're trying to I win a championship. Yeah, I'll never understand that. Um, yeah, prime time this week kind of – I mean, Chiefs-Ravens in theory should be good, but I don't want to watch Packers-Lions. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, there's not even juice to the lines anymore. It, it's just Dan Campbell. That's all I want to watch for that for that game. Yeah, he's biting kneecaps. Uh, he took Raheem Mostert's kneecap in week one, so that was kind of problematic. Uh, Ate it with a fork and knife. But Yeah, he did. Uh, but that'll wrap up all the time we have here on the Waddling and Owen Show. We'll be back Monday to break everything down. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your football. Thanks for listening right here on Twitch TV and wherever 